जय राधा महाधव कुंज बिहारी जय राधा जय राधा माधव कुंज जय गोपी जय गोपी जनवा यशोद नंदना ब्रज जन रंजन यमुन Jai Jai Radha Mahadava Kunja Bihari Kunja Bihari Jai Gopi Janavallabha Girivaratahari Jaya Gopi Janavallabha Girivaradhari Yashoda Nandana Braja Janaranjana Yamuna Tira Vanachari Yamuna Tira Vanachari Yamuna 
Go Premanandi. Oh glorious to some devotees, oh glorious to some devotees, oh glorious to some of us, Shishi Guru, and go Ranga, oh glorious to Shri Prabhupada. Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya We're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 7, Chapter 7, What Prahlad Learned in the Womb, Text Number 42. Sukhaya, Dukkamakshaya, Sankalpa, Iha, Karmani, sorry, Karmani, Kamanaha, Kamanaha, Kamaniaha, Kamaniaha. Sadapnotiaya, anotnotaya, dukam, anihayaha, sukavritaha, sukaya dukamokshaya, sankalpa ihyaka minaha, 
सदापनोति अहैक्तुकम् अनिहाय सुकाव्रितः सुकायाधुकमोक्षाय संकोपाइहकार्मिनः सदापनोति हायाधुकम् अनिहाया सुकाव्रितः सुकायादुकमाक्षाया संकोपाहियकामिना अनिहाया सुकाव्रितः सुकायादुकमाक्षाया संकोपाइहकामिना सदापनोति हायादुकम् अनिहायासुकाव्रितः सुकायादुकमोक्षाया संकल्पायकार्मिनः सदापनोति हायादुकम् अनिहायासुकाव्रितः Ladies. Sukaya Dukha Mokshaya Sankapa Ihyaka Minaha Sarapnoti Hayadukam Anihaya Sukhavrataha Sukhaya Dukha Mokshaya Sankalpaiya Kaminaha Sarapnoti Hayadukam Anihaya Sukhavrataha Sukhaya Dukha Mokshaya Sankapaihyakamina Sarapnoti Hayadukam Anihaya Sukhavritaha Sukhaya Dukamakshaya Sankapaihyakamina Sarapnoti Hayadukam Anihaya Sukhavritaha Sukhaya For achieving happiness by a so-called higher standard of life Dukamokshaya For becoming free from misery Sankalpaha the determination, iha, in this world, karminaha, of the living entity trying for economic development. Sada, always, apnoti, achieves, ihaya, 
by activity or ambition, ambition. to come <coughs> only unhappiness, anihayaha, and from not desiring economic development, sukha, by happiness, avritaha, covered. Translation and purport by Srila Prabhupada. In this material world, every materialist desires to achieve happiness and diminish his distress. And therefore, he acts accordingly. Actually, however, one is happy as long as one does not endeavor for happiness. <clears throat> as soon as one begins his activities for happiness, his conditions of distress begin. Purport. Every conditioned soul is bound by the laws of material nature, as described in Bhagavad Gita. Prakrite kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvashaha. Everyone has achieved a certain type of body given by material nature, according to the instructions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Ishvarasava bhutanam prideshe junatishtati brahmayansava bhutani yantarurudadani mayaya. The Supreme Lord is situated in everyone's heart, O Arjuna, and is directing the wanderings of all living entities who are seated as on a machine made of the material energy. Bhagavad Gita 1861. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Super Soul, is present in everyone's heart, and as the living entity desires, the Lord gives him facilities with which to work according to his ambitions in different grades of bodies. The body is just like an instrument by which living entity moves according to false desires for happiness and thus suffers the pangs of birth, death, old age and disease in different standards of life. Everyone begins his activities with some plan and ambition, but actually from the beginning of one's plan to the end, one does not derive any happiness. On the contrary, as soon as one begins acting according to his plan, his life of distress is immediately begins. Therefore, one should not be ambitious to dissipate the unhappy conditions of life, for one cannot do anything about them. Ahankara vimudatma kataham itimanyate. Although one is acting according to false ambitions, he thinks he can improve his material conditions by his activities. The Vedas enjoin that one should not try to increase happiness or decrease distress, for this is futile. One should work for self-realization, not for economic development, which is impossible to improve. Without endeavor, one can get the amount of happiness and distress for which he is destined, and one cannot change this. Therefore, it is better to use one's time for advancement in spiritual life of Krishna consciousness. One should not waste his valuable life as a human being. It is better to utilize this life for developing Krishna consciousness without ambitions for so-called happiness. Sukhaya dukha mokshaya sankapahyaka minaha sadapnoti hayadhukam anihaya in this material world, every materialist desires to achieve happiness and diminish his distress, and therefore he acts accordingly. 
Actually, however, one is happy as long as one does not endeavor for happiness. As soon as one begins his activities for happiness, his conditions of distress begin. Om Ajnati Mirandasya Gyananjanaha Shalakaya Chakshul Militam Yena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Dadati Svaparantikam Namasreshta Manumapi Sachiputra Matrasvarupam Rupam Tasya Garajam Urupudim Maturim Goshtavritim Radha Kundagirivara Mahoradika Marava Asam Praptoya Sapatita Kripaya Sri Gurum Tam Natosmi Sometimes it might appear in the pages of Srimad Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita and the presentation of Krishna consciousness that we are the doomsday philosophers, that everything's going to end up in chaos and everything's you know, not so good. We don't have a, a very optimistic um, view of the future. Things aren't looking too good. But it's it's a definition or it's, it's a presentation of the, the position of materialistic um, consciousness. On the other hand, the, the, the presentation of the position of a transcendentalist, of one who is engaged in Krishna consciousness, everything looks bright, everything looks very, everything's looking good for the future and for the present because the material and the spiritual are diametrically opposed, you can say. That one, when we engage in, in pursuit for material happiness, here it's in the in Prabhupada saying, we're, we're destined to experience, and, and um, Prahlad Maharaj is saying, we're destined to experience distress. Because of many, for many reasons. One reason is because of the competition that we face in the material world. Everybody's competing for, the, for limited resources to achieve success, to achieve happiness, to achieve progress and advancement. And because that's based on, on the body, because it's based on, on the, the individual, the selfishness of the conditioned soul, there's got to be, there has to be some um, side effects, there has to be some clash, there has to be some um, conflict of interest. And therefore we have border clashes, and therefore we have all sorts of, of egoistic um, wars going on all the time between nations and, and within communities and within families. Because we're all those um, in, in a materialistic consciousness, we can't achieve um, the ultimate we can't achieve ultimate happiness because it's a temporary thing. Bhagavad Gita says when you try to experience happiness in the material world, it's the happiness that we're after, that we're chasing, is temporary. And so by definition, it won't give eternal, it won't give sustainable happiness. That happiness is just going to be a flickering um, break from the distress, some uh, an interlude, uh, intermission from, from distress will be some happiness. So that's the problem of trying to find happiness here in the material world. And um, 
There's a, a classic story, I think, from Hito Padesha or from Panchatantra, one of those genres of um, ch children's literature, not just children's literature, but instructive literature of different animals. And there's a story of the snakes, the, the king of the snakes, and he's looking very forlorn and he's just resting on a rock on the side of a river. And the frogs are suspicious of the snake. The snake's just lying there and he, he's not active. And usually he's very, very active. And he's climbing up and down rocks and through logs and up trees and, and through, through, through the waterfalls, etc. And so the, the, the king of the frogs, he approached the snake. And he asked the snake, what's wrong? Why are you just lying here and you're not doing anything? You're not trying to get food, you're not trying to attack anybody. What's happening? So the snake told the frog that I got cursed by a brahmana. Brahmana cursed me when he was chanting his Gayatri in the river. He cursed me because I, I bit him. I bit his toe and he cursed me that I, will, I, that I have to lie on the side of the river and be be peaceful and try to be good to other living entities and, and especially I should be friends with the frogs. So he got that, that curse. He should be friendly with all the frogs. So he said, what I'll do with the frogs is all you frogs, you jump on my back and I'll take the frogs for a ride all around the river and through, through, the, through the waterfalls and up the trees, through the logs. And the frog went back and he told the other frogs that I think we've we're onto something here. This looks good. This, this snake is going to be he's our friend and he's going to take us on a nice tour around the, the river. So all the frogs jumped on. And the snake said, look, I'm an old snake and I don't have much energy. I need one frog a day. If I eat one frog a day, I can keep taking you for so, so long. I can take you on many joy rides around the, the river, around the, the forest. So they agreed. One frog is nothing. There's hundreds and hundreds of frogs. So the king of the snakes said, yes, you take the one frog at the back, the last on the, near the tail, you just take that frog every day, no problem. So they were enjoying like anything. They were just having so much fun and it was basking in the sun and going through the waterfalls and through the trees and through the logs and, and having a really, really enjoyable time for a long time. And the king of the snakes, of course, he's right at the front. He's with the, at the head of the snake. And eventually all the frogs, one by one, they're being eaten. One, one frog, one frog, and, the, and the, the last frog who got eaten, he's still there for the ride. He's thinking, he won't eat me, he's, he's gonna just, he, he's, a good, he's a good snake, he's a friendly snake. He's taking us on, he's, he's doing so, nice, so many nice things for us, providing us so much enjoyment and facility. So he stayed there and then he offered, he's, he's offered, and then he's offered, he's offered, and finally the king of the snakes gets eaten. And all the snakes are eaten. And, the, and, the, and the, all, all the frogs are eaten, and the snake's happy. He, he didn't have to do much work, and he just took the frogs for a, a ride. So we're like that in the material world. We're on the back of Maya, and she's taking us for a ride, and we're enjoying like anything. We think that everything that the material energy is, is presenting to us is, is for our enjoyment, for our happiness. And as long as we hold on, nothing's going to go wrong. The material energy won't, won't take the last bite. We, she, she won't devour us. And of course she does. That's, the, that's the, the illusion of this material world, that we become enamored by the glitter of the, the enticement of, the, of material enjoyment. We can enjoy in the material world, but we can't enjoy in the material world. And we have to keep hearing the lesson that this happiness in the material world is futile. Prabhupada uses the word futile. The, material, the happiness in the material world 
is, is like a mirage. Prahlad Maharaj says in, in, in the prayers, in his prayers um, in this Srimad Bhagavatam, he says that happiness here in the material world is just like a mirage in the desert. It's not, it looks like it's going to be water and we're so thirsty we, we, can, we, we, we believe it's water. We're so thirsty we, we tell ourselves that it must be water until we get right in there and we realize it's just dust, it's just an, it's, it's an illusion. We just brought this illusion up because of, of desire. We had such an intense desire that we created water for us, but it's not, it's not really water. So the material world is, is um, very much like that. It's a mirage in the desert in terms of happiness. But we can get happiness. And the happiness that is provided in the material world, is the happiness that's available in the material world is available for the devotees. It's available for the transcendentalists who are, are capable of delaying sense gratification. An interesting definition that, that the um, psychologists have of a healthy mental condition is somebody who is capable of delaying gratification, or we say sense gratification. Somebody who, who's not always engaging their senses 24-7, but they're able to, to put off sense gratification. We might say Shreyas, who, who's somebody who puts off something um, for some immediate satisfaction for a higher purpose, to achieve something at a higher level. So we, we, do, we perform some form of austerity, some, some voluntary tapasya that we do to achieve something higher. Like any sportsman or any fan famous musician or any famous um, writer or any famous academic or any famous anybody in the world who, d who, achieve, who wants to achieve something very, very, a high standard of achievement, they must perform tapasya. They must, do, they must put in the hard yards and do the practice and the training and train, train their, for the marathon or train their voice or train their intellect. They have to do that and in order to do that they have to forego some satisfaction, some immediate gratification of the senses, some immediate gratification of the mind, some immediate gratification of the intelligence. There was a famous um, study done in the 70s most of these famous educational studies were done in Stanford University in the 70s, I think before they had ethics committees and stuff like that. So that this one was, um, they had this study, it's called the marshmallow effect. Some of you might have heard of it, the marshmallow effect. And there's a, a child, he's put into a room and they, they, they have a glass window and the, the um, observers, the researchers are outside watching what the child's going to do, observing what he's doing, and, and they're, they're um, keeping notes on what's happening inside. And the child is he's given one marshmallow on a table. They put a marshmallow on a table, and he sits there. And he's got to sit there for 15 minutes, looking at the marshmallow. And they say, you can, you can eat the marshmallow, but in the, at the end, in 15 minutes, if you don't eat the marshmallow, I'll give you another marshmallow. So you get two marshmallows or you get something else. They, they've changed the, the um, experiment a few times. But to say he got an extra reward by, by delaying the gratification, by not engaging, the, by not taking the marshmallow, he would get two marshmallows. Good deal. So they're watching the, fi the five-year-old child. He's a young child, all for five-year-old children. So the, the first child comes in there and he's looking at the marshmallow. And he's looking at the marshmallow like one minute goes by. He's got to sit there for 15 minutes. And he's counting one minute, one and a half minutes. And he says, no way, I can't wait 15 minutes. And he takes the marshmallow. He eats the marshmallow. Within two minutes, it's gone. 
So the next child comes in and they're watching and he's looking at the marshmallow and he's looking and within 30 seconds he took the marshmallow. He's like, I, I can't wait 15 minutes, I'm just going to eat the marshmallow. So he eats the marshmallow. Anyway, some didn't. Some, did, some, some children sat there and looked at the marshmallow and just looked at it for 15 minutes and then they, they came in and gave him another marshmallow and he got two marshmallows. He's very happy. So some did and some didn't. And it was a longitudinal study, so they followed these five-year-old children through their schooling, through their primary years, the secondary years, and through their education, tertiary education, or through their, their career, occupation. And they did this for 40 years, 50 years, following them up. And they were doing, they, they would assess them on various criteria of success, success in life. And, the, and they, they discovered quite convincingly, of course every experiment has got, you know, has, has been debunked. That's not, not for sure. But they, they, they established quite convincingly that those children, when they were five, who were able to delay the gratification and who waited for the second marshmallow, for the, 15, for, for the reward, they were more successful on, on practically all, all um, levels of, of criteria. They were, they were more, for those who are in careers, are in better careers, are in fulfilling careers, they were, they were in careers that they wanted to do, they were making good money, they had, they had good family life, they were stable, they were contributing to society. And those who, who, were, who didn't make it, who just ate the marshmallow within the 15 minute period, they, they were consistently having a tough life, they were, they were always missing, you know, they, they, were, they weren't achieving their goals in life and they were, weren't so happy on the happiness scale, they weren't so satisfied, they didn't have such a high income, etc, etc. So they used the marshmallow effect to, to prove that the delayed gratification is an important way, it's, it's an important measure of future success, shreyas and priyas. That those who just focus on immediate gratification, they won't be successful. And we, we, that's very much a part of our um, philosophical understanding of Krishna consciousness. That we, um, we, we perform some tapasya, so we get a higher, we get a higher taste, and we perform some, some austerity so that we can achieve something higher than what we've got now something more, more um, relishable, something of a higher taste. Like we said yesterday, um, um, Rupa said yesterday, that parandrishtva nivartate, the devotee is aspiring for that higher taste, and we get that higher taste not by just engaging our senses. That's a lower taste. We get the higher taste by what Lord Rishabhdev teaches his sons in the fifth canto, that you do that by tapo divyam puturaka yena satvam. Um, that yashmed um, sokyam brahma sokyam tvanantam. That by doing tapasya, then we achieve that brahma sokyam, eternal happiness. We achieve a, a higher level of happiness by engaging in transcendental austerities. That tapo dibyam. So in the Bhagavad Gita, the happiness we hear that word happiness quite a bit. And it said in, in the ninth chapter in the Gita, it says that, that, that bhakti is, is the highest education. It's the Raja Vidyara, the Raja Vidyara Raja Guyam, because it gives the direct perception of the self. And the self is aspiring for happiness. The, the soul wants to be Ananda Maya Bhyasat. The soul wants Ananda. We're looking for happiness. We're looking for that pleasure. We're pleasure seeking. And that pleasure is available through bhakti. 
and we experience that directly, pratyaksha through the senses. We experience happiness through, through all of our senses when we engage the senses in service to the master of the senses, Rishikesha. That is a, a surefire way of experiencing transcendental, sustainable happiness by doing that. And susukam kattum avyayam, that will give you happiness, susukam, great happiness. Intense happiness will, will, will come from engaging in this transcendental devotional service. It's happily performed. So, well, on one side we say this world's full of misery, it's a, it's a miserable world, it's a bad bargain, every, and so it seems like we are doomsday philosophers, it seems like we are, um, we do have a very negative um, outlook. Uh, we don't think that things are, are going to turn out too good for the materialists, and they're not, because it's 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 an inbuilt obsolescence. It's something that's that's death is destined to to give some form of frustration because it has a beginning, middle, and an end. But bhakti is unlimited. Ananda, it's it's ananda vardhanam. It completely it expands and expands and expands. The more we engage in bhakti, the more we the more we do our devotional service, the more realization we get and the more inspiration we get to continue to do the service. That is something that, that is like a, um, a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy, that the more, the more bhakti you do, the more bhakti you want, and the more, the more bhakti, the more capacity you have for engaging in devotional service. And by holding back, the less, the, the less bhakti that we do, and that the more, um, the more kind of compromised we are, the more miserable we become. So that, that, that moroseness comes from when we, when we detract from engaging in devotional service. It's interesting that Prabhupada says in the Ishapanasad, Isha in the beginning, that, um, that when, when we have a, a sense of incompleteness in, in this material world, we feel like we want to satisfy ourselves, and, and to satisfy the self we want to um, engage in all forms of, of types of, of sense gratification because we have a, an incomplete sense. We, we, feel, we don't feel that we're a whole. And Prabhupada says that all sense of incompleteness in the material world is due to an incomplete um, knowledge of the Absolute. When we don't have full knowledge of Krishna, then we, feel, we don't feel satisfied. We feel like we have to fill the gap somehow. And so we fill the gap with all sorts of materialistic ways and we try to divert the consciousness or the attention away from that feeling of incompleteness. And to complete that, we might do that through any for all, all forms of sense gratification, all forms of, of materialistic activities, through intoxication or through, through academic pursuits or, or through, through the arts or whatever it is, and we feel like we're, we're engaging these activities to feel whole, to feel complete, to feel satisfied. But the real satisfaction comes from knowledge. When we have knowledge of Krishna, those, the gap is fulfilled, the gap is filled, and we feel content. And from that contentedness, we, we, we no longer have that unlimited burning desire for, for to, to satisfy the senses for immediate gratification. We're able to delay gratification and able to use the human form of life for its purpose. And the ultimate purpose is to engage the senses in service to Krishna. In the, um, in the, the Paramakaruna Bhajan, 
It says the, the first the first verse of the bhajan glorifies Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Lord Nityananda because their process is, is simply blissful. Kevalananda Kanda. What they're doing is they're, they're giving love of Godhead to everybody and it's a very blissful and it's a very it's a process which is is it's accessible for everybody and they're presenting it to, to everybody, to all conditioned souls, and therefore they're considered to be the the essence of all of all incarnations, and they're the, they're the supreme, um, ultimate, uh, munificent lordships, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Lord Nityananda, because they're giving this this process, it's, which is simply uh, pleasurable. Ha so much happiness is available by engaging in the process of devotional service, by hearing and chanting, by kirtan, um, by by knowledge, we become happy by by knowledge. In ignorance, we become distressed. In ignorance, we become um, bewildered. In ignorance, we, we're illusioned because we don't understand. We don't have full knowledge of a subject matter. We don't have knowledge of our position in life, our constitutional position. Who are we? we and when we don't have that knowledge, we become fearful. We become confused. We become bewildered. So knowledge gives happiness. In fact, the characteristics of devotional service are all about happiness. We get bhakti by engaging in the pure devotional service. Happiness comes automatically. The first characteristic of bhakti, of engaging in pure devotional service, is klesha agni. We become free from all distress. And when we become free from distress, distress when the kleshas are destroyed, when they're burnt up, then we become happy, obviously. The, the opposite side of distress is happiness, is, is, is joy. We feel joyful, we feel light. So that's the first, Klesh Agni is, is the first. And then the second one is Subhada, that it gives all sorts of, of auspiciousness. And one, one of the, um, Prabhupada says, uh, Arupa Goswami says, there's three, three types of, uh, in auspiciousness you, you will be happy. To be auspicious means happiness, and he defines three types of happiness, Rupa Goswami. There's happiness from sense enjoyment, from engaging in the senses, some form of happiness. There's more happiness in realization of Brahman. Some happiness is there, of course. There's some bliss there in Brahman, but not eternal. And there's ultimate happiness in engaging in the process of Krishna consciousness, in transcendental realization, self-realization. That is the ultimate form of happiness. So sense gratification, Brahman, and Bhakti. Bhakti will give the ultimate happiness. So therefore it's, it's Shubhada. It gives, it gives all auspiciousness. That means that it's good for everybody. It's good for everyone in society can benefit from Bhakti. Whether they know it or not, everybody's benefiting from the Krishna consciousness um, movement. So it's it's subhada. and it's um, moksha lagudakrit happiness again. It derives the happiness that's enjoyed or experienced through moksha, through liberation. So bhakti is giving happiness at every level. It's giving happiness. Sudulaba, it's very very difficult to achieve bhakti. It's not an easy thing. It's not something that we can just get instantly. It's something that's got to be cultivated. And that's the, Prabhupada makes that definition in, in the beginning of the Nectar Devotion, that it's a cultivation. The, the bhakti is something that, that we have to nurture 
and nourish our bhakti. We nurture and nourish the bhakti by protecting the bhakti lata bij with a fence, the, the fence of association, the association of the devotees who protect us, who give us guidance, who give us shelter. And from that shelter, within that shelter, within that protection, we, we water the bhakti lata bij with, with the hearing and chanting of, of, of Krishna's transcendental pastimes, his holy names. So therefore, it's pure devotional service is something that's not achieved very readily. It's not achieved very easily. It's something that we have to work at. And we need to be determined and develop that determination or that sankalpa. Today, it's a, that word was used in the verse sankalpa. Sankalpa ihyakaminaha. That um, for that de the, the determination to, to be successful in our bhakti is to to remain fixed on the goal, that we have a goal. In one sense we're saying don't have a goal here, don't have materialistic goals, have spiritual goals. If we have spiritual goals and where we are strategic about achieving our goals, we'll, we'll remain, we'll keep things in perspective. Things will be in perspective and we won't become anxious and we won't, we won't become um, diverted and confused if we are strategic in our, in our goals, in our bhakti journey. So it's, it's not easy, but it's something that is, is worthwhile pursuing. It's not something that is instantaneously presented to us on a plate. And uh, another happiness that comes from pure bhakti, and this is at a higher level of bhakti, is Sanjananda Visheshatma. In a higher level of bhakti, bhakti the, the happiness is a very in intensely condensed form of, of bliss. There's a there's in, in higher level of happiness in prema bhakti. When we, when we achieve higher stages of realization of our spiritual identity and our relationship with Krishna, then that bliss becomes highly condensed bliss. Very, very um, satisfying, very happy and um, we drown in the bliss of bhakti. So there's happiness there. There's happiness in, in practically all of the characteristics of devotional service. There's happiness. And the final um, characteristic of pure bhakti is that it attracts Krishna, Krishna Kashani. And, that, and by attracting Krishna, of course, one will be happy. If, Krishna, if you're with Krishna and you've attracted Krishna and we become controller, we become, we are able to control Krishna, then we'll become unlimitedly blissful because we have, we're in full Krishna consciousness. And that is um, a very satisfying and a very, it's, a, it's the ultimate goal of our bhakti, is to, is to have Krishna, to attract Krishna, that, that Krishna will, will want to be with us. Not that Krishna is just entertaining us, but that, that Krishna, he's, he's been seeking us for many, for lifetimes and lifetimes, and finally we have come to realize We've turned our head to the bird and the tree and we realize that we want to be with Krishna and Krishna wants to be with us. So it's a very high level. Throughout the Vedas we also hear so much about happiness and blessings to be happy, to, be, to live long life. Sarve bhavantu sukhinaha that, that we give happiness to everybody. We want everybody to be happy. We don't want people to be miserable. And the, the formula for happiness in the material world is connect with Krishna, connect with, with the devotees, connect with the process of Krishna consciousness and we'll be happy. Without, without that connection, 
nasti buri ayuktasya. If we don't have connection, if the intelligence isn't connected with the Supreme, then there can be no happiness, there can be no, there's no ultimate goal. Uh, we can't achieve the paramgati. We, we, we can't get the ultimate goal and we won't achieve happiness. Nasa sukam avapnoti. There's no happiness there if we are not connected with Krishna. And if like yesterday um, we've quoted the verse also, Rupa quoted the verse, Yashastra vidim utsrija, from the 16th chapter, at the end of the 16th chapter, Krishna is saying that follow, if you follow this, the scriptural injunctions, if you take shelter of, of the Vedas, then you'll achieve success. And if you don't, you won't achieve the ultimate goal. You won't achieve happiness. You won't achieve um, success in this life or in the next life because, you act, because we act whimsically. We, we know something should be done, but we don't, we don't act on that thing because we want, it's interfering with our, with our plans for sense gratification. It's interfering with our plans for, for com competition here in the material world, for, for making, my, making a name for myself, for, for progressing and for advancing in my, in my material um, goals in life and at the expense of my spiritual, spiritual engagement and my spiritual realities and my spiritual realizations. So, for me, the, the takeaway from the, the focus on, on this material world being the Dukalayam Ashashvatam, it's a place of misery, it's a temporary place, it's, it can be used as not something that is, we can say, a very negative way of preaching or a negative way of presenting this material world, but it's a positive, take it as a positive, alright, it's a temporary place, it's a place of misery, if we're engaged in materialistic activities. This place can be a very happy place and a place of, of bliss if we engage in devotional service. And Prabhupada leaves us with that at the end of this purport, that one should not waste his valuable life as a human being. That's Rishabdha's teachings. Don't use the human form of life like the hogs and the dogs. Use the human form of life for tapo divyam, for transcendental austerity, and become happy. And Prabhupada says, It is better to utilize this life for developing Krishna consciousness without ambitions for so-called happiness. The so-called happiness in the material world is, is a mirage in the desert. And we we're convinced of that. And because of that conviction, Vishnu Kamamaganai, because the devotee is completely... Um, disgusted with the, uh, the idea of material happiness, of engaging in sense gratification, and because we understand the purpose of life, visheshagno, we understand, um, the, philosophically we understand what is the purpose of life, then the devotees won't, won't become diverted on the path. We'll, we stick the path, we stay the journey, and along the way we experience so much relief from suffering and we, we experience um, so much of um, happiness by connecting with the process which is Kevala Nandakanda, simply joyful and blissful Krishna consciousness. So there's a lot of room in bhakti for being happy, there's a lot of room in bhakti for experiencing joy and it's something that we can experience. Prabhupada says in a, in a purport that, um, what was that about joy at every moment? At the end of the Bhagavad Gita, 
Sanjaya, he's, he's re reflecting on the conversation, Sambadam of Krishna and Arjuna, and he says when he thinks about it, every, every time he's thinking about the pastime, he gets ever-increasing joy. It's coming every moment, he's becoming joyful, he's becoming happy. And Prabhupada says the process of Krishna consciousness is one of increasing enlightenment. We become enlightened, increasingly enlightened, and there's joy, not for some time, but at every moment. The joy is there at every moment. It's non-stop enjoyment in bhakti. When we think of the, the samsmriti or samsmriti, when we remember Krishna's transcendental conversation with Arjuna, that should give us joy. That samvada should give us happiness and joy and relief and direction, guidance and shelter. And therefore it's, it's, it gives great happiness to the devotees to, to go back and reflect, that's at the end of the 18th chapter, to reflect on all the instructions that Krishna has given to Arjuna, has given to us to give us the shelter that w that we um, aspire for and the direction. So many uh, um, amazing directions have been given in the Gita for happiness, for, for, the, for the conditioned soul. Last night we read that purport in, in the 11th chapter of the, of the Gita, 1154, Prabhupada says this is the essence of the Bhagavad Gita, Matkamakrin, in that verse. And there he says the Bhagavad Gita is, is, is presented for the conditioned soul to, to, to attract us back to um, our original, to the ultimate goal, what we're supposed to be doing here in the material world. So, so the, the, the lessons in the Bhagavad Gita are directed to us, to help us, to uplift us, and to, to inspire us in our bhakti. It's not something that, that is that's to be, it's, just, it's not a, a bookish philosophy, or as Prabhupada said, armchair philosophy. Bhaktivinoda Thakur said we should read a text, we should read like the Bhagavad Gita or any book that we read, he says. We should read a text not to imprison the words of the text, that they're, they're just, they stay there forever, but to, to, to engage with them and to transform. We read something to, to learn, to engage and to transform our, our intelligence, our consciousness to, to a higher level. So we, we read something Bhagavad Gita, or read Shrimad Bhagavatam, and by the, the, through the process of sharing that with others, we we transform, we 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 we, we develop a deeper realization, and we're giving it to others as well. And through that process, Krishna consciousness becomes dynamic. It's the transcendental dynamic nature of the soul. That's one of the definitions of bhakti that Prabhupada gives. That bhakti is the transcendental dynamic nature of the soul. It's always active. In bhakti we're active. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a verb. Bhakti means to do something. And what are we doing? We're doing things for the pleasure of Krishna so that we can become happy. Not so that we can become happy, but we do become happy. By pleasing Krishna, we become happy and satisfied. And we're not focusing on our own selfish happiness, but on the happiness of Krishna and the happiness of others, to give Krishna to consciousness to others. So are there any um, reflections or points of interest from what we've been speaking? Prabhu, first hand, Mike. Yeah, thank you, Prabhu. It's very nice um, summary of our bhakti. 
and the first one he mentioned about the marshmallow experiment is very popular in many fields not only theology but uh, other field as well there is another theory is called construct, uh, constructivism or something like that mm -hmm. where the vedic scripture says that children inherently they obtained by birth some kind of qualifications like that and the teachers or facilitators duty is to cultivate them so that is the vedic scripture mention so if you compare with the marshmallow theory and this the vedic uh, constructivism is there any big difference or what do you think thank you the, the, the difference between the marshmallow theorist and the Vedic con constructivists. Um, it, it, it is true that everyone is born with, with a, a certain... Um, we, we have some scars from previous birth. So we come to any learning experience, we, we, we don't come as a blank slate. We come with some kind of impressions, whether we know it or not. We come with some impressions as a young child and particularly as an adult, we come with experiences. And those experiences will determine the outcome of the learning experience. Um, and in constructivist theory, the idea, the, 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 the thesis is that a child or a person will learn by doing. We learn something by engaging in something and um, adding something to it, some ad added value to a particular concept or an idea. Um, and we don't just learn something through bookish knowledge like that. We don't just learn something um, in, t in an in intellectual way, but we learn by doing. And I think Socrates said the same thing and many other um, philo philosophers have said the same thing, that we learn by doing. And it's very much been um, adopted that philosophy is very much the prevalent educational philosophy or educational psychology um, that that has influenced curriculum development and, and in schools worldwide that constructivist theory that that we learn by doing and that we come to the learning experience with, with some prior prior knowledge and prior experiences it's not really um, it's, it's not it's not a different concept from the marshmallow effect. The marshmallow effect was really focusing uh, in, in a narrow way on the capacity to, to delay gratification. Um, and in terms of learning theory, it, it's, it sort of sits there on its own that the, the purpose of the experiment and the proof of, of the longitudinal study is that um, children um, and, and, and adults will will ha have a better capacity for, for success, a greater capacity for success, if they're capable of delaying gratification. And constructivist theory is really just about doing and engaging. So I, I don't really see the, the kind of connection so much. I didn't notice that was you behind your mask, anyway. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Nice to see you. Yes, Mahatma Bo. Hare Krishna, Rampo, and all the devotees. <coughs> you said a very important point that you have to do things yourself. Mm. Then you learn more. I will tell you an example. When I started doing post-graduation in the All India Institute, New Delhi, 
we used to see registrar doing so many things. So one day I told him, look, unless we do ourselves, how will we learn? How to stop, for example, bleeding of the, from the tonsil bed, how to stop it? Sometimes you cauterize, but the bleeder is so big that you can't cauterize it. You will cauterize the whole fossa, and then there will be disaster. So you have to hold the bleeder, the blood vessel, with a sharp forceps, not very sharp, just moderately sharp. Then you ligate it. For ligation, you need practice how to tie a knot. So as you said, without doing yourself, just by seeing others, you will not ever learn the technique. So same thing is about devotional service. Unless we do good chanting, as Srila Prabhupada said all the time, our process will never be successful. So we have to attain a very good chanting situation. We have to, each word we have to really absorb our thoughts, as you said also, that we have to think of also the pastimes of Lord Krishna. Not only holy names, but the pastimes also. Now, this is just uh, what you said. My question is, um, why so much importance is given to the lotus feet? I have asked this question many times, even to sannyasis, but uh, they just superficially tell me. <laughs> but they, they don't tell me the deep part, deeper part. So, what is your realization? Why so much importance everywhere throughout the literature? Srila Prabhupada especially mentions that you have to absorb your thoughts in, um, at the lotus feet of Krishna so that your mind, uh, I think one of the Acharyas, I'm not remembering the name, that he says that you have to, like a, um, what, what, what is it, white lotus, what is it? That uh, you put your mind in the lotus feet, like a, so you can tell us, details, mm. how to absorb mm. the mind at the lotus feet of Krishna, and why it's so important. Mm. Lotus feet, why it's so important. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if I can outdo the sannyasis who gave <laughs> <laughs> superficial But you have response. got a wide experience. <laughs> but because lotus feet, because lotus in feet my is, heart, uh, you are going to switch over straight away. Uh, the moment you leave this body, uh, this is my impression. Yeah. You are with Krishna. Yeah. So the lotus feet of Krishna, the lotus feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they, the, it said that in Chaitanya Charitamrita, one way that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu attracts the conditioned souls is by expanding the flavor of his lotus feet. So he expands the flavor. So here we, we're introducing not just the, the symbols of the feet, but his, there's some taste in the lotus feet of, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That means Lord Chaitanya's lotus feet have the um, capacity to, the, they can give anything that we, we want, anything that we need, we take shelter there. And therefore, um, the, the feet are the lowest part of the body. And when we look at the feet, we're automatically, it it's puts us in, in the right consciousness of humility. We're approaching Krishna through in a humble way, that we're looking at, at his feet. And we're not making 
you know, direct, going straight to Krishna, eye contact with Krishna, but we're going through his lotus feet and we're recognizing that as a jiva, a jiva soul, um, we are part and parcel of Krishna and we want to be as a speck of dust at his lotus feet because that's considered, we're considering ourselves to be insignificant. We're not considering ourselves to be worthy. We're not considering ourselves to be so qualified that I'm here with Krishna and Krishna should be embracing me. When is he going to embrace me? But we want to be, the prayer is to be a, as a speck of dust at the lotus feet of Krishna. And, and from there, um, we become, that's how we develop our qualification to, to be, enter into Krishna's pastimes. At the lotus feet of Krishna, he, he will dissolve our false ego. He will, he will remove anathas with, with the symbols of his feet, with his goad and with, with different symbols on the lotus feet. They're, they're able to, um, through meditating on those symbols of the Krishna's lotus feet, um, we can become free from, from pride. We can become free from, from envy of other living entities. We can become, the, the mind can become peaceful and pacified so that it can remain there and it's not going to go somewhere else. So the symbols on the lotus feet of Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu um, are very, they're significant and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has, has described them um, in, in, in detail. The, the 16 symbols on Krishna's feet and, and Lord Chaitanya has got 32 symbols on his feet, on his lotus feet. So there is, there's, there's plenty of meditation to do on Lord Chaitanya's feet. There, he's got so many items there, a chariot and, and, and uh, all sorts of fish, a fish and a club and, and, and a plow and many, many symbols and each of the symbols has a significance, a reference um, given to us by the Acharyas. And we can meditate on those um, on those symbols on the lotus feet of the Lord to become free from um, those obstacles that, that are stopping us from remaining at Krishna's lotus feet. Um, but the, the, another aspect of Krishna's lotus feet is given in the in the uh, fourth canto of the Bhagavatam, I think, where it says that that the instructions um, that coming from the 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 lotus coming from the, the lotus mouth of the of the devotees is it's um, it has the power or potency to change consciousness of those who hear of the hearer because it's it's mixed with the saffron dust of the lotus feet of krishna the instruction it, it comes it comes from from krishna's lotus feet the saffron dust particles of his lotus feet and that 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 comes through the the, the spiritual master or through the devotees um, and that will ha that has the power to to change the consciousness of the of the mundane mind. So the lotus feet have many many references, as you said, and um, Krishna's lotus feet, the lotus feet of the spiritual master, the only way to contain pure devotional service. We bow down to his lotus feet again and again. We do that every day. We we offer this prayer, the lotus feet of the spiritual master, because it's the only way we can achieve pure devotional service. To be we by humbling ourselves. When we're, when we're at somebody's feet where they can, they can trample us, they can do anything, they can kick us in the head with their feet. We're, we're, very, we're vulnerable, we're being completely vulnerable at, at the lotus feet of Krishna. And King Kula Shekha, he prays that, the, that, that he's that the, that the swan of his mind be entangled in the, in the, the stem of the lotus feet of the Lord. 
that right now when he's in good consciousness so that he doesn't want to wait for the time of death he wants to he wants the swan of his mind to be entangled in the lord's lotus feet the stem of the lord's lotus feet so that's some uh, thank you uh, one more thing you mentioned about taste mm. so can you enlighten a bit more what is the taste what do you feel the you taste are? yeah yeah taste is like um, that that rasa that we experience it's um in mundane sort of um, analysis or, or psychology of of happiness uh, there are certain as you know there are certain chemicals in the brain that that emit there's a the happiness chemical in the brain and that's sort of it says that that's the chemical that that has enabled the human species to 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 survive and, and to reproduce and it's a chemical that that is a, the reward system that that enables us to keep doing things that are that are favorable and also things that are not good for us um, that's the the dopamine um, that that we that is um, it's a neurotransmitter and and it, when we do something that that is pleasurable it sends a, a, a chemical kind of impulse in the brain that, that that reinforces that and we want to keep doing that also in a negative way as well um, so that that taste you know when we when we taste something sweet or when we taste something that's physically when we taste something sweet it sends that message to the brain that 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 we're enjoying this and we want more of that let's look for more chocolate cake because that's 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 going to send that impulse and that stimulus to the brain and I want to get more milk sweets. I want to get another extra birthday today because it's a reward system. Every time I get it, I feel good. It's a feel-good hormone that's going in the brain. But that taste isn't just physical taste. Um, and in a spiritual sense, we say we've got a taste for the holy name. And you can't, you know, you don't eat the holy name, right? And you don't think about ingesting the holy name. But we have a taste for the holy name, and we have a taste for hearing and chanting about Krishna's pastimes. Um, so that that taste means it's a it's a kind of a an internal it's something that that is going on not in the gray matter of the brain so to speak but but there's a sense that that we're being rewarded Krishna's rewarding us with that feel good experience that when we do this Krishna's ex ex expanding the flavor of his lotus feet he's expanding he's giving us the opportunity to to feel more and more satisfied by doing that particular activity in bhakti whether it's hearing or chanting or serving or or worshiping or whatever it is in any item of bhakti krishna is giving us the, um, when we say he's giving us a taste he's reciprocating and giving us the ability or giving us the inspiration to continue to do that that thing so we say that's a, a rasa, a taste, a mellow. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, that's the mellow of, of bhakti, of devotional service. Thank you. Anything else? Can I have some point about the lotus feet? Nimai, lotus feet edition here. Thank you, Mahatma Mahaprabhu. Okay, so. When we chant the Guru Purana Mantra, uh, we say that Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Dev Mahesara, Guru Reva Parang Brahma, Janotasmai Sri Gravinamo. Then we say that Dhyana Mulanguru Murting, Puja Mulanguru Padam, Mantra Mulanguru Bakkong, Mokkhalanguru Kripa. 
So if you look at that second one, which is the Puja Mulanguru Padam. So we want to worship the lotus feet of Krishna. Why it is that? It is so charming. If I look at the Rashlila in the beginning, so when the gopis feel pride, proud of having association with Krishna, Krishna hid, hid it. So he, she went away. And then this next part was so beautiful in terms of literary uh, work that they are asking all these trees, all the uh, birds, even the grass is saying that you are uh, become like the uh, the thrilled kind of uh, coming out a spike kind of thing from the earth body. So certainly Krishna has went on you, touch you, touch you. That's why you become like that. So finally when they thought that no, Krishna's feet is so soft and Krishna must be getting some hard time because he is walking on this ground and then Krishna did appear. So you understand the, the lotus feet is so significant when you think about your Guru and you always quickly humble to his feet, nowhere else. Next one is the beauty of lotus feet is that uh, that Trinadepi, Trinadepi Shuchine, Shunichano, Taruribo Sveshnuna, and then Omanina, Mana Dena, Krittonia Shadahori. So we have to be humble. So when we start chanting, we always tell that we are Din Hin. Please, I am ignorant child, please accept me on your lotus feet. Then your chanting will be more sweet, as I was in Russia. The, the beauty of Rosh will come, the attraction, right? Nice. Roti will come. Thank you. Thank you, Nima. Yes, Sivya. Thank you for that. Rosha. Hare Krishna Prabhuji, thank you for the nice class. Prabhuji, you mentioned that we shouldn't be we shouldn't be attached to the flickering happiness of this material world. But Prabhu, we see even when we're spiritually happy, like we're coming to the temple, we're doing the services, taking darshan, we uh, we're like, aren't we like getting attached to the material world? And then we feel like, oh, we're happy here, so we don't want to go back to Lord Krishna. Mm. So how do we understand this? Okay. Thank you. The happiness that we're experiencing here, we don't have to go back to Krishna because we're already with Krishna. This is the spiritual world. It's a it's a um, um, ambassador. It's, it's the embassy of the spiritual world here in, in 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 the temple. So that happiness is not material happiness. Of course, it's not the high a highest level of bhava bhakti or prema bhakti. That happiness that we're experiencing, but it will become that if we continue to engage in the services and coming here and experience the happiness and the happiness that we experience here in the temple and engaging with devotional service and the festivals and, and the artis and the kirtan, that happiness is, is not material. And that was the, really the, the point of, of, of 
today's purport and the point of the class is that we have material happiness and spiritual happiness and they're diametrically opposed to each other and we do we do have happiness we we do call the material world a place of misery we do call a place material world a place a temporary place but this material world we if we can engage in in bhakti we can engage in in devotional service and here through that process we become happy and we're not we don't become attached to the material world we become detached that happiness enables us to become detached from the material world thank you property thank you Anybody else like to uh, before me? I ask. As anybody else has a, a reflection or a point, question to ask. Yes, Prabhu. Then you might. Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Thank you. <coughs> Prabhu here is mentioning that we should not. Um, the more we go after the happiness, more miserable one become. But also, it is said that. There is a happiness in a spiritual life. Now the attraction is towards spiritual life is now again like. So how to reconcile these two points? The same thing as Sivya, as Sivya's um, question. That that the happiness that we're aspiring for in spiritual life, that aspiring for happiness in the material world, is it's futile. Prabhupada says it means it won't. It it, it can't be. It can't be achieved. It's something that can't be achieved. Um, in the material because it's temporary. There will be happiness there. It's one, it's one level of happiness, but that happiness is very insignificant compared to the happiness that we can experience in the spiritual world, in um, transcendental devotional service. So, aspiring for the happiness of, of devotional service, we should be we should plan for that happiness. We should be making um, our own personal plan and our own community plan to to increase the. Unlimitedly increase anandam buddhivardhanam. Unlimitedly increase the the happiness that we experience in devotional service, through through festivals and through book distribution and through kirtan and through prasadam and and, and increasing the quality and, and not just quantity of everything but increasing the quality of of our bhakti. Um, that will that will that will get that will detach us from the material world because we're we're focused on. On happiness outside and not inside, it's a, it's a selfless happiness. Otherwise, materialistic happiness is for selfish happiness. It's for the self. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Prabhu. So the last two questions were, were connected, I would say. Yeah. So, if you look at the um, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching to. Um, I think Sanatan Rupa Goswami that he explained his original attributes in three shaktis. One is his Sarupa Shakti, mm -hmm. which is fully divine, Satchit Ananda. Another is the material or Maya Shakti, which is the manifested world. Mm -hmm. And third one in between the marginal energy, which we are the living entities. Mm. So assume that you are uh, seeing the river where plenty of water is flowing through. This water is the Sarup Shakti, mm -hmm. which is full of bliss, consciousness and ananda. Whereas the solid bank is the material 
where full of sorrow, mm -hmm. sadness, and you are sitting in between. Mm -hmm. So when flood comes, the water goes over the the bank and then it lost its quality of the fluidity. It is fully absorbed with this the soil and rocks. So that means we are entangled with our sense gratification, our uh, material attraction, as we also discussed before. And we are in this cycle of death, birth, misery, and disease. So when you are more attached to that world, we are forgetting, we are actually looking back to Krishna. But when you are fully submerged into that water, with Satchitananda Sarup, then your true Ananda will come, will be flourished. Mm -hmm. So as if that you are going from home to a destination, as you are going close to destination, you are away from the home. Likewise, when you are away from the material nature, or Maya Shakti, more close to the Sarup Shakti, you are more blissful, more uh, conscious, Krishna conscious coming, flourishing, it is like that you are uh, cleaning a a uh, brass pot or a silver pot is getting more shiny. Mm. So it is like that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nimai, for, for reminding us about Tatasta Shakti and the, the bliss ananda of being in connection with the Swarup Shakti of Krishna, Satchitananda. Rantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki, Srila Prabhupada ki, Gopi Malindi.